Welcome to the Hellraiser Podcast. Hello, welcome to episode 29 of the Hellraiser Podcast. I'm Peter and this is Phil. Hello. 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 And today we're going to give you something very special. We're doing another commentary. Because people were very complimentary about our last commentary for Hellraiser for mm. the 25th anniversary. So today we're giving you a commentary for Hellraiser 2. Hellbound. Yes. So get your DVDs or your Blu-rays in, get the menu up, then pause this. Right, you're back? Okay, we're all ready. Before we start, though, a little reminder to you all about the competition we have running at the moment uh, to win a signed copy of Nicholas Vince's book of short stories, What Monsters Do, which is very good, and we talked about it last podcast. If you want to win a signed copy of the book, then email us at hellraiserpodcast at hotmail.co.uk answering the following question. Nicholas Vince, before this book came out, had previously written a short story about the origin of the Chatterer. What was it called? Hmm. And we'll pick a winner on a later podcast. And a signed copy of What Monsters Do will wing its way to you. So without further ado, we're going to do a Hellraiser 2 commentary. Yes, and uh, like the last commentary, um, we're going to be drinking some booze while we do this. Yes, we might be doing that. So please forgive any clinky glasses in the background, because we're just going to have a nice time. So apologies if it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Apologies in advance for what we're saying in about an hour and 40 minutes time. Yeah, (laughs) so it's going to be fun, but it might not be making any sense. And feel free to join us with a booze if you're of legal age and you're not a uh, ill (laughs) <laughs> and you like booze and, and you, you like, like booze. booze yeah and you're doing it sensibly just have your tipple of choice whatever it is tipple. even if it's just a peanut butter sandwich just have a nice tipple of peanut butter sandwich have it now right so here we are get your remote controls in your hand or go up to the actual machine and press a button on that if you want mm. I mean you could do it old school no if right you want wrong here so we're going to press play in three two one play and here it goes logo <laughs> logo here we are so it's new world pictures again we're watching this on a blu-ray we are which i think at the moment i think you can't actually get it in the uk on blu-ray but i've got this box set of the first <laughs> three films yeah it's the german blu-ray box set but everything works nicely and it's you know in english as well as german Oh, it's got German subtitles. I'll turn those off. Turn those off. <laughs> What's your pleasure, sir? Here we go. Hellraiser. Straight oh. in there. It's quite a striking first image, really, this, isn't it? I mean, this is something that I think Clive Barker does very well. He always starts off with something really mm. arresting. Yeah. And there's uh, the head ripping open there, which wasn't in the first film. Oh. The actual head getting ripped open. They, uh, it was, that was cut by the censors to put back in for the beginning of this film. And so this is, and this is in a different order. Yes, they than go the back original in a film. Order. There he is, Pinhead, and the female Cenobite here, being played by Grace Kirby, Clive Barker's cousin. But later in the film, for the actual filming of Hellbound, it was played by a different actress, Barbie Wilde. Barbie Wilde. So she looks very different. I don't think she looks very different. You you think she does? I think she does. I think she. So looks I'm going to stick with that. Much the same. <clears throat> There's Butterball getting trapped. So, so this yeah, is... the, this one in the film, if you remember, in Hellraiser, Pinhead's the first one to get sent back. But they didn't realise how popular he was going to be. But so here... in this one, they kind of re-edited it so that he was um, the last one to get sent back, and they just completely omitted the poor Chatterer. 
from that bit, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Oh. So here we go. Hellbound. Hellraiser 2. Great score again. Brilliant score. Swelling score by Christopher Young. Beautiful. Hellbound. I really like those simple titles. Yeah, it's lovely. So a little um, backstory, if you will, for a moment about the director, Tony Randall. He was brought on during the production of Hellraiser, to start with, from New World Pictures, from America, um, to sort of oversee production and check everything was going well and helping up bits and pieces with editing and post-production bits and pieces. And when they came time to do this one, they asked him to direct it completely. So the director is not Clive Barker, it's Tony Randall. Mm. And it's not written by Clive Barker either, although apparently he did provide the story, I think. Mm. Um, Peter Atkins, who was a former member of the Dog Company, theatre company that Clive Barker used to do in Liverpool and in London, Mm -hmm. with Doug Bradley. There we are, Clive Barker, one of the executive producers. Yeah, there we go. Well, he's in there. And he was definitely around because there's some featurette bits and pieces with him on set, you know. Yeah, he was there. Having a cigar. <laughs> yeah. Enjoying Based on a story himself. by Clive Barker. There you go. So, story by Clive Barker. Um, so, this is the Blu-ray we're watching, but it should be the same speed as whatever you're watching. Yeah. So, everything, Tony everything's fine. Yeah, Christopher Fig, who produced the first one as well. Yeah. There's a lot of the uh, same, same team yeah, back very for much this so. one. And you can tell it with the feel. But this was filmed... This They started filming this before the first one came out. Crumbs. I think. Wow. Well, it was definitely being written. Because the first one came out in September 87, and Peter Atkins was writing a draft of this in, I think, the summer of 87. Okay. So this was in production before the first one came out. I think this is a brilliant opening. Mm. Um, just starting on the uh, radio. Yeah. And slowly, you know, going over the personal effects. This is a brilliant opening for a film because it's visual, purely visual. Going over this guy's stuff you instantly know who the character is. Yeah. You know you know where he's from, what he's up to. It's nice that it's a bit of a breather after that manic opening. Yeah. You've actually got a chance to just sit down. Look, it's gone very slow now. We're panning in and it's like, okay. I think this is excellent. Of course, anyone who's seen straight away the first this guy, one yeah, knows what's about to happen. He's in the army. You know you know, yeah. the, you know the time period from mm-hmm. the radio broadcast. It's... It's great. You instantly see him with the box and you know something's wrong. <laughs> no. And of course, we know that's Doug Bradley, but those watching this in 88 wouldn't have known that. And it's a real sort of surprise when he starts getting turned into Pinhead. Yeah, that's excellent. It's a great opening. And this, obviously, you know, to give him his due, get his face on the... Yeah. Apparently, the, uh, there was, they were writing much bigger backstory for him. They were going to go into a lot more of Elliot Spencer for this film but they lost a load of money for the budget uh-huh. in a stock market crash just before they filmed so they had to cut all that out of the script uh, That's a good I think shot. some of it went into Hellraiser 3 but that's yeah, another they, story that was definitely recycled into Hellraiser 3 yeah. it was a brilliant shot because Peter shot Atkins there. wrote that as well. yeah of the, of the box, the box in, the foreground. in the foreground that was fantastic I think it was a giant box was it yeah <laughs> I so think so I know how to keep the Makes focus sense. between loads of different boxes of Oh, something's going to happen. No, this is not a good idea. Here we go. Straight in there. Straight with the hooks. And it's nice they've used the hooks into the shirt because the latex doesn't always work. The, 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 so, that's one of the main effects that 
as dated really badly for some yeah, reason. But they... if you go into the shirt and then into the blood, then it's fine. Here mm. he is. Oh, look, hang this on. Is, this is familiar. great. And all these weird little worm things. And yeah, you... so you've got the snake things here banging the um, nails in, which obviously play later in the film. And if you were, yeah, it's it's a bit much. And he's all bloody. That's brilliant. But he won't be. And then the sweet suffering. The sweet Where's suffering. that come from? Because it's not... He wasn't enjoying it right then in that moment. He was screaming. And she has never heard him say that, so she's not remembering that. That's just a... No, but the, when he was getting turned into Pinhead there, there was a moment where he was smiling. Where he's smiling. Yeah. There's, there, I mean, the, I thought that was a great way of showing the pain pleasure thing, you know, that we yes. always try and say, what is it? What does it mean? Yeah. There was definitely a smile in the midst mm. of that. And here she is. We're taking up right after the first film. Yeah. He was in Star Wars. <laughs> Who was, was he in Star Wars? He's gold leader in the dogfight. No. In the Death Star at the end of Star Wars. A good man. He gets blown up. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, Steve immediately written out of the story. Yeah, I don't. he was useless. Nobody, nobody really likes Steve. So surely this one, they'll give Kirsty a really strong male character to act alongside with. And yeah, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, immediately she's dirty and back to the house. Hey, hey, we've all had a drink. <laughs> <laughs> And so this is something um, we we are we will be repeating some things I guess that we already have said in yeah. our um, I, review. I've, I've worked with this guy. Oh really? James Tillett, his name is. Yeah, when I was at Mount View Theatre School, which is oh, where you Simon Bamford and Nicholas Vince both went. Yes, name drop. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with this guy, this police officer with the moustache. He was a, a director for one of my projects. Oh cool. He was a really nice guy. So yeah, to repeat something we've already mentioned in our previous podcast. Um, this is they've now made the decision to be in America. Yeah. It's not the country of the imagination anymore because these police officers are American police officers with guns and yeah. American uniforms and so on. Yeah. The country of the imagination is is something that Peter Atkins calls it in the uh, one of the commentaries, but I think he even tries to imply this one might be set there as well, but it's blatantly America. <laughs> yeah. Even that was all filmed in England. Well, it's it's it is still have that thing of it's neither one thing or the other. Well, because it's supposed to be a continuation of the first one. The first one did feel really English. Yes, absolutely. Um, but it still wasn't in its own way. Well, no, because yeah, it had all those dub voices. And but those, I mean, those. It's something as simple as having an American cop uniform, yeah, you know, and, Ameri- and police and... officers with guns and so on really puts it in a place. Well, yeah. And the fact that they're all American. Yeah. Everybody's got an American <laughs> Everybody's accent. American, apart from the Doctor. And, of course, Julia. So here we so have the mattress. We have the mattress um, that Julia died on. Mm-hmm. Which has got hooks, chains coming. Chains and hooks still in it. There's a lot of lovely shots in this film. I, every time I watch it, there there are a lot of like this one with Kirsty through the window. You know, there's obviously been some time taken to well, we know that compose some lovely shots. Yeah, uh, it was the same director of photography, I think, as the first one. Yeah, Robin Vigian. Yeah, and he um, who did a great job. As Clive Barker said, he loves um, 
filming shooting women. Shooting women. <laughs> he said. He loved yeah, he filming loved women. Yeah. Now this is amazing. You've, mm. you've gone straight to an operating theatre, and this is look at that, just straight into the brain. They say in the commentary that they this had completely different dialogue when they filmed it, but because they were wearing masks, they could change it later. <laughs> they decided to do yeah. something else about a labyrinth. The Dark Knight Rises effect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's, uh, no, really interesting. This is fantastic. This is something drill. that, when it's I watched it for the first time, later. I really love this kind of stuff. Mm. This kind of stuff really frightens me. Hospitals, mental hospitals, you know, stuff like that. Surgery. And the fact that she's alive, because you have to, not alive, sorry, awake. I meant to say awake. Yeah, yeah, and that's true, isn't it? You have to be awake for brain surgery. You have to be awake yeah. for brain surgery, so this is kind of mm-hmm. what you do. I mean, that I love that. <laughs> he just does one little thing and goes, yeah, my part in this is over. <laughs> like He's obviously the top doctor. Yeah. And here's Kyle. Deary me. Who, of course, was in Aliens as well. Yeah. He's got a great... Is that his name, I think? Is it? Is that his name? Well, let's carry on, and I'll quickly look it up while we're talking. (laughs) That's not his name. No? No. Okay, sorry. Carrying on, because I'm not going to pause this. I'm not going (laughs) to stop this. Forget about that. Stop saying unsubstantiated things. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, Kenneth Cranham, that's definitely that guy's name. Hmm. He plays the Doctor... Oh, no, I think it is his name, actually. This <laughs> <laughs> is scary. I'll look it up quickly while we're... Uh... But anyway. Sorry, folks, it's the is... booze. <laughs> his Kirsty getting overexcited. I really like this um, this thing of, of going straight after the first film. Mm. I really like this, the guy, the Star Wars guy, playing Ronson. Ronson. I think he's really believable he is he's very good there's a bit in a minute where she's like you have to get rid of that mattress and he's like yeah okay yeah and it's brilliant and so they just all think that she's but this is this is this is a really great scene here William Hope you're right (laughs) I apologise William I (laughs) apologise if you're listening to this I thought you called something else big fan of the podcast but this is a great scene here you've got Mm. two great actors because yeah the guy playing Ronson is really good and Kenneth Cranham is really good. You know, he's got a different agenda. Yeah, which we don't know yet. Which we don't know yet, but you can see this that bit. there's something going on. His his acting here is amazing. It's so real. Just here. Yeah, that's so him. He obviously thinks that she's a complete nutbag. Well, that's him just going, oh, this Whereas is this so guy. sad. Yeah. This is so sad, I have to leave her here now. Whereas Dr. Chenard is like pretending to think she's nuts but plotting he's i mean i love it he's you know there's isn't he good he he is a brilliant actor there's so Mind much going on behind mm. his eyes whereas um, but uh, yet there's nothing going on but whereas <laughs> poor old um kyle. kyle kyle is a not a terribly subtle character but and I mean, not, I'm not saying it's his fault. It's no, I mean, I would argue. I would argue that his his role in the piece is that he's a facilitator. He's, yeah, he's, he's the he's just to get her to the house, basically. Well, you know, he's he's the guy who's kind of yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on for all the other characters, but poor old Kyle's just being nice, trying yeah. to help her, and he's a 
he's not the effect shot. That's eighties effect shot. <laughs> Still he's, holds up. I think he's not the sharpest tool in the box. Is old Carl? No. And here we are. So this is great. This is a great introduction of a character. Yeah. Um, you know, rather than just introduce them in the normal way, you've got a shot of hands mm. putting a. And it could almost be a dream at the moment. Wooden puzzle box together. Yeah. But we're thinking puzzle box straight away. And it's important to realise that, you know, whatever um, grievances you've got with this film or any of the Hellraiser films, things like this, they have to be fought for quite hard. Like, you know, having a shot of just hands putting a box together, studios will be like, well, why do we need that? Why can't we just show the girl? Exactly. Why can't the girl just come in? There's a lot of good decision making going on here. Oh, hello. You dick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Kyle. Oh, Kyle. <clears throat> there she is, Imogen Borman, mm-hmm. playing Tiffany. Of course, that's not her name. That's what one of the nurses called her. Yeah. Nobody knows. So she but plays she... a mute character for now. For now, um, who is brilliant at solving puzzles, which is obviously going to play into the story later. Yeah. And there's uh, Kirsty with her big, and big that's, hair. <laughs> that's a great example of a script, of a well-written script, because in a mental hospital, it's conceivable that there would be a character who's good at solving puzzles, who's using it as a way to work out their psychosis. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but that obviously works for our story, which revolves around puzzle boxes. Mm. Absolutely. <clears throat> and she's refusing medication. Also, don't forget that Chenard knows about all this shit. So well, he's, I mean, he, he has put he her got there, someone, hasn't yeah, he? We will he, find out later. Yeah, he orchestrated her to be there so that she could open some puzzles for him. But at this point in the story, for me, it's, it's, it's all making sense. You know, it's um, it's not forced. No. I don't find it particularly weird. What's happening here? This has gone a bit of razor head. This is cool. Oh, God, don't remind me of a razor head. <laughs> Oh, listeners, One if you could disturbing if films. you could know the times me and Peter have had watching a razor head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. This is uh, yeah. This is again something I find very Clive Barker. Mm. Just a skinned hand, you know, writing on yeah. the wall in blood. And there he is. I'm in hell. Help me. And she assumes that it's her father. Which I don't think is an unreasonable well, assumption. She knows her father was skinned. Yeah. She fell over his skinned body mm-hmm. upstairs in the house. And the skinned... She did also see Frank. Yeah, but the skinned. skinned fellow who was lying there really had an aspect of, please help me. It wasn't yeah. like the way that you would imagine Frank would do it. No. And why would Frank contact her anyway? In her mind, Frank is gone. Yes. He was taken, taken back to hell and yeah. that's it whereas her dad is in limbo I guess in her mind <clears throat> and we'll touch on this later on as well but for those who don't know um, Andrew Robinson was what well, the character of Larry was supposed to be in this film they wrote him into the film being in hell but last minute Andrew Robinson couldn't do it so they rewrote it completely without him in it. Mm. But he was supposed to be in hell. Did he, and did he want to do it? Or was it just... I'm not sure. It's a bit ambiguous. I can't find this out. Some people say there was they couldn't decide on pay. 
Then other places you hear that it was a conflict of dates and diary mm. problems. Mm. I love this shot. Yeah, it's brilliant. I, I love this whole sequence. Um, mm. Just him walking through the hospital going, good morning. Pleasant morning. day. Pleasant day. <laughs> Pleasant day. Yeah, is um, it better? Good. <laughs> it's the, just ignoring them. It's absolutely wonderful. And then, you know, he goes to his um, special basement. Mm. I love this guy. Still doesn't know my name. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this bit coming up, in his secret asylum. Yeah. Uh, for me, is one of the best bits in the film. I love it. I love it. This is good. This is fantastic. This is what I want to see, you know. One of the guys, the guy that just screams when he opens <laughs> the vent, he was, that's their accountant. Oh, really? Part, oh, awesome. <laughs> this, this is amazing, guy, you know. Big these guys are it? all... No, it's oh, not no. this one. This is, um, Excuse me. This is... Uh... This is the this chap. What what's going on with him? He thinks there are demons everywhere, uh, which there might be. Well, there we go. There he is. <laughs> yeah, do you think, do you think he was waiting to do that? Yeah. Do you think he was waiting for someone to open the hatch, or was he just screaming at the door? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there he is, Browning. Browning, played by Oliver Smith. Oliver Smith, who of course plays Skinless Frank in the first film and this film and it's again like Doug, Doug, Doug Bradley it's um, it's really nice to have his actual face to have Oliver Smith's actual face yeah. in the film because they did so much uh, good work absolutely which yes. is why I can agree with um, uh, Nicholas Vince about it's a shame that they couldn't get their faces in the film <clears throat> yeah towards the end it's a shame this is good dialogue he's lonely he's still suffering your father's dead. Yes, he's dead. He's and he's alone and still suffering. <laughs> yeah, that's great. She is good, isn't she? She's very good. Yeah, she is very good. I'm very lovely as well. <laughs> oh. He's a bit of a wet fish, isn't he? <laughs> oh, he's awful. <laughs> We're not saying the actor's awful. No, I mean, but he's, it's a he's, bad character. He, no, but his role is right. Because mm-hmm. she is the strong character, well, so you exactly. need a He's you need not... a weaker character yeah. to go along with it. Yeah, true. I mean, and then get, get, get if he was, if and... he was being all like, right, let's do this, let's do that, it would dilute her character. Yes, so absolutely. It, it actually works perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we react to that when you go, I hate that guy. I hate that guy. That's right. That's what they wanted you to feel. Okay, yeah, yeah. Doctor Chenard, which came from the name Christian Bernard, who was the first doctor to perform open heart surgery, I believe. Oh, oh, look at look you. At look at me having listened to the commentaries. <laughs> he hasn't got any notes here, though, listeners. He's doing very well remembering this I know, stuff. this is stuff, apart from looking up William Hope's name. Just double check that. Was he's got a, got a bottle of wine, but that's about it. Wine and a brain that's <laughs> full of Hellraiser facts. <laughs> Nothing else. Here um, he is. Here he is. Look, this is some stuff shot for the first film that was never used. Look at her looking young, him looking oh, scary. In oh my background. god! This is if their wedding. Like, this what's is the up wedding. with that guy? <laughs> but, I mean, he the was wedding, the wedding. Yeah, he was the black sheep of the family. I don't know. Wasn't what, he? I mean, they must have shot an awful lot of stuff that they didn't use for mm. the first film. God, we imagine it's amazing if they found all that footage and you could just watch it. <laughs> yeah, not that they would, you know, need to do a new version of the film because the film's great, but just for people like us to sit and watch every single daily from that film. <laughs> well, someone's got it somewhere. I know. And it's more of the sex scene just then that was cut by the censors. 
in the first film. Mm. I mean, this is the difficulty with this film. They they felt that they really needed to recap a lot. This is a hell of a long... Well, you've got to recap at the beginning. Well, and then you've got to recap now. You have. And it seems too much when you're watching it back to back. But as uh, Tony Randall does say in the commentary again, he says the plot is so... It's so involved, and you you have to know what's just happened to get everything. You do yeah, need I, I, this stuff. I don't think it's wrong necessarily. No, but it's it. I think it's a bit weird the fact that this came out literally the year after the first one. Yeah. So did you need as much as they're giving us now? But at the same time, from a business point of view, the money men with this film wouldn't be assuming that people had watched the first one. No, and all this is is. Special effects shots. Yeah. Yeah, good point. I hadn't thought of that before. So they're... they're good point. You know, they're, they're not assuming you've watched the first one. Of course, one watching and this. it's like they spent all this money on this film as well. Yeah. Well, I never hadn't considered that before. Oh, they're getting to some new revelations here. And here they are, the lovely Cenobites. Yeah. Bless them. They're all lovely as well, aren't they? It's amazing, all the people we've met who are in this film are all really nice. We've met Nicholas Vincent, Simon Bamford. And I met Barbie Wilde recently. You met as Barbie well. Wilde recently, yeah. I did. And she was lovely as well. Hopefully, we're going to get an interview with her. Soon. Everybody's been really nice. Mm-hmm. We yet to meet Claire Higgins. Yes. Even though we had a friend of mine spoke to her about us, and she sounded interested, so we all we're getting we'll meet her. Uh, Look at these shots. I mean, this is all. Well, this is amazing. It's, it's, it's all awesome stuff. It's great. Back to the hospital. Something that uh, Tony Randall says in the commentary that I can't get out of my head is uh, he thinks it'd be really interesting to start to make a new cut of the first two films together. Mm. Start it at this point. And do it in a sort of oh, non that would be fantastic chronological order. Yeah, and because I do some editing work, a freelance. I'm considering I might sit you down at some do point that. and have a go. You should do that. Stop obviously, about with all this obviously nonsense not, you're doing. <laughs> not um, not saying that these films aren't well edited and aren't. Written, oh no, but it would be but great just to, to do a new version just for fun. Kind of put them together and just cut some way. stuff out and do like a two two and a quarter hour. Yeah, that would be fantastic, actually. Okay, I might have a go at that. You should do that. That's okay. that's what you should do. I'll see if we can get it online somewhere without cop- breaking too much copyright laws <laughs> for you to watch. We'll put it in a box in a field. Everyone's <laughs> got to go and find it and then leave it Under there for some other people. stone that couldn't, shouldn't be found in this field <laughs> with loads of money. No, hang on. I'm getting confused. What? So here we are. This is They call this the Obsession Room. I love this room. <laughs> I love it. This is... Anything that I write or I'm interested in has always got stuff like this. Books (laughs) and insane obsessions with things in the past and stuff. Oh, man, I love it. He was called Dr. Malahide in the original script. Malahide? Malahide, yeah. Where is that from? I don't know. Peter Atkins called him Dr. Malahide and then it was Tony Randall who changed it to Chenard. Malahide sounds like it's from something. And okay. I now sound really stupid because I don't know. That was well, brilliant. Let's move on quickly. <laughs> using, the, um, using the screwdriver and the thing just going... Yeah. To get break in. There's the mattress. Weird. Jesus. 
This is a scene that we quote a lot. We do. When something goes wrong, we're always like, Jesus Christ. I love this, though, because the poor guy's... You know, the actor is having to walk into this room and look at all this stuff and really emote, you know. But they're making him do it with dialogue as well, which isn't necessary. It isn't necessary, but then again, that's a thing. That's a a film thing. There's one of those uh, images of a skinned man that Clive Barker was so so, um, influenced by when he made the first film. Mm. And here we go. Look, three boxes. Yeah. He's got three boxes. But are they boxes or are they replicas? I don't know. That's what I... Did he get them online? Well, I always <laughs> I always thought watching these films okay. back in the day that they were replicas of the real thing. Because now he's got the real one yeah. from Kirsty. Because I thought if he... I didn't. I, I thought, thought they if were he, boxes. No. Because I thought if he had the real box, he would have done this long ago. But... Yeah, okay. I don't know. Maybe he's... Oh, I don't know. Well, it's up for debate, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Exactly. It's ambiguous. But he doesn't fiddle with the box until he's brought Julia back to life in this film. Yeah, but... So maybe just... he wanted some more information first. Well, it can work both about ways. About hell. <clears throat> this is great. It's, this sort of thing annoys me, though, in films. No. When you've got writing on the screen and the actor has to say the words oh, yeah. over okay, it. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, that is silly. What's that? Just in case someone can't well, it, read? But it, again, it is literally, from a studio perspective, they're like, people don't want to read words. Yeah. Also, and I've brought this up before, but it baffles me that this exists. The the whole R rating in America. Mm. Admittedly, this film, the R-rated version of this film, is quite heavily cut, and I really want to get the uh, one of the original VHSs to have a look at it, because it sounds... Well, I mean, it would be rubbish, but they cut a lot of the gore out. But kids could see these films in the cinema in yeah, the States. Yeah, yeah, And that baffles me. Because <laughs> we have a strict, you know, 18 certificate. You can't be... You have to be over 18 to see a film of that certificate over here. Mm. But in, in America, of course, of all you American listeners, obviously, you know this already. R18, you can go if you're a kid as long as you've got an adult with you. So kids can go and see the Hellraiser films at the cinema. yeah. Which, obviously, both of us did. We were kids. And... Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was more like sneaking the video from somewhere. That was what made it so This scene, on that same note, apparently is much, much shorter in the R-rated version. Really? <laughs> Funnily enough. This was lovely to, to talk to Oliver about um, yeah. when we interviewed him, because he really goes for it you know he's, he's doing some... and he said he had to do it over and over again but he, he's, he's doing some brilliant acting like the stuff he's done as Frank the mm. subtleties of that performance yeah really still you know, subtle really really clever nuanced. good acting and this is and he's not kind of getting the credit for it because he's under a lot of makeup and I just think he's he's a really superb actor he is he's very impressive all this stuff he's doing and, and the fact that he just literally had to come on set for one day, just be in this completely overexcited state all day long. But he he really goes for it, and and that's the thing. Like when this you is when horrible. you, it's one of those performances that when you actually meet the person, you see how much acting they were doing. <laughs> because yeah, because he was just so nice and such, chilled out. He's such a calm and lovely and a complete gentleman, completely like, oh, you know English Jack. English gentleman, <laughs> and. Yeah, yeah. You you cannot believe that he did this. I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is the most disturbing, horrible sequence from any of the Hellraiser films. 
It's and from brilliant. possibly any film. Hey, hey, hey. No, that's not something I've seen some awful shit. I've seen, I've seen some really I've seen some things worse than this, but let's not talk about a Serbian film. No, 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 um, no, 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 no. But this but look, is across his nose. Oh, that's the moment, isn't there we it? Go, on the groin. Apparently that was a suggestion from Robin Vidian. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks improvised. It looks like he just kind of went for it. Oh dear. But uh, it is a bit much. It's and great. it goes on for quite a long time as and well. And this is excellent. Again, this is showing but then, um, Ken Cranham's strength as an actor. Yeah. To deal with these fantastical elements in a very real and interesting way. Here she is, Julia, resurrected from the grave or from the hell. Not Claire Higgins, as we've said before. No, yeah. An actress, a dancer, I think. A dancer. Who... Uh, was a very skinny lady and she's been given all these layers of latex. That's fantastic that she looks like... Isn't it incredible? She looks like um, Claire Higgins Mm. without skin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is... This is is kind of tribal-esque music. Yeah, I know. I got the, the soundtrack CD a couple of years ago and this track came and I was like, where the hell's this from? Yeah, yeah. I just couldn't picture it. I couldn't place it until I watched the film again. And then I noticed it. So for me, I didn't even notice this music oh, right. when I watched the film. It just fitted so well. I just remember thinking she's like a, like an animal, like a panther or something. Like, yeah, or something trying to, good. trying to sort of grab him. Makeup's so good. It's just incredible. Oh, there you go. Straight into his brain. Into his head, sucking out his essence. Hiding behind a curtain. I know. There's there's that whole bit where they nearly pull the curtain down, will they, won't they? Yeah. That bit never actually worked for me, I've got to say. No? No, because it would have annoyed me had that happened. (laughs) I wanted to see what's happening. And the guy stuck him out of his mouth, him vomiting something or other. It's just absolutely horrendous. This is brilliant. This is brilliant. Look at that makeup. Help me. And Ken Cranham, perfect, inscrutable face. Yeah. You know, he's what, not giving anything away. What is he going to do? You he's don't not, know what he's going to do. No. Is he disgusted? Is he not? And he's not letting her know what he's thinking. Yeah. And that is brilliant. Just, yeah. He just not going to touch her. Slightly but, yeah, pushes some the of that mattress back to her. And the sounds as well, the sloppy, slappy, wet sounds. <laughs> oh, Brilliant. Really good. I mean, this is why I like Hellraiser, because <laughs> you don't get stuff like this in other horror films. No. This is so bizarre. Yeah. Gets even more bizarre when she's all wrapped in white. And... Yeah, I mean, that's even better. It's fantastic. <clears throat> but this, for me, you know, in a room full of these books and obsession and stuff, you know, and he basically conjures up a monster. There's a woman with no skin just sat there. It's incredible. You're right, there's nowhere else you'd see this. No. It's not the usual kind of physical threat of something's going to get me, something's going to attack me. No. It's a serial killer, it's this. This is something completely out of the bounds of... Of, of what you'd expect you yeah. know it's that spine it's phenomenal 
And this is the way, you know, the shoulders move and the shoulder blades and all this. Oh, really sorry, good. I just knocked the table. I might have affected the <laughs> microphone. I do apologise. <laughs> sorry. Oh dear, Peter. Keep it professional. I'm sorry. It's this whole not editing things because we're watching a film. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's tricky. Well, people don't realise how much editing goes into our usual podcast. No, that's how... Yeah. <laughs> not that we're usually drinking while we we're do not our podcast. Normally. We should more often. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And here we are. Back at the hospital. That's good. More puzzles. Let's have a bit more wine to go with the puzzles. Very good, very good. See, we've got danger again of us just going quiet because we're, we're really the enjoying the film. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Let's talk about the uh, the bizarre. Look at that image. Look at it. With the handprint on the wall. Absolutely fantastic. And his face. Oh, my wall. <laughs> but, like, he's, he's, he, he, oh, he does it so well. And th- this is great. Mm-hmm. This is great. Mm. The colours are amazing. She's not impressed. And he's, like, a bit wrong-footed. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. A bit of drip on her chin. Oh, God, sorry. I'm cold. So yeah. good. Got these heaters. Everything's And everything's got a really great styling as well. The heaters look brilliant. Yeah. You know, everything looks kind of weirdly Art Nouveau. I don't know. It's just really cool. Having a cigarette. Yeah, she is. Obviously gives her a white suit. Mm-hmm. Image-wise, that is phenomenal. Yeah. I remember my tiny childhood mind being blown. Well, I'm, I, I saw this film first when I was kind of a young teen. So I was that sort of pubescent age where you're thinking about sex a lot. And there was something about this. The fact that she was, she's got an open jacket. Yeah. You know, and if she was, if she had skin, you'd, you'd almost be able to see her yeah. breasts. <laughs> yeah. Is that my brain was going, I think this is sexy, but. It's well, not, and it looks horrible, I and mean, I don't understand, I'm confused. <laughs> I think that's um, that's really the crux of these films, isn't well, it? Well, this is, the, and I've, I've been reading a lot of Clive Barker stuff recently, his novels, and it's all sexual and violent, and... That is, oh, the, that is the pain-pleasure thing, you know, it's... It's amazing being stuff. Being aroused by something and that no is so is wrong and outlandish. And wasn't doing it at this time. And he's... You know, Ken mm. Cranham here is really playing a guy who is... He's, he's into this. Yeah. There's a woman with Definitely. no skin, but he's he's turned on by it. And yeah. <clears throat> that Absolutely. is what's bizarre. And it's it. partly because of the, you know, his obsession with the mythology and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But this is great as well, the whole, the bandages and... He's very neat with these bandages. He's a good doctor. <laughs> <laughs> he is a good doctor. Apart from the smoking, because that's not very good for you. Well. well on the commentary again, the uh, Peter Atkins says he keeps writing characters smoking into his screenplays, even though that it keeps being taken out because everyone's really PC nowadays. Yeah, you can't. I, I was having a conversation with someone the other day about smoking, and you, you just don't see it anymore. Well, not just anymore, but look at the uh, look at Ghostbusters. They're all smoking all the way yeah, through. Ghostbusters yeah, yeah. two, they're not. No, no one smoked. They're no, all, no, no. They've all can, given up smoking in that small. You can only time. smoke now if you're a villain, for very yeah. specific reasons. Well, 
And here they are. What's going to happen now? This is lovely. And this is great. You know, it's just again, they keep going back to these quiet scenes mm. where it's very subtle. Yeah, as opposed to what's going to be happening in about half an hour. <laughs> yeah. And as I said in our earlier podcast, you know, the first half of this film is the half that I really love because it's bizarre. Yeah, I, I it's slow do and interesting. Prefer it, I gotta say, and subtle. And just on the record, we both think this film is brilliant. Yeah, we both love this film. Yeah, no, I do, I do, I do think it's really good. This is great. Look at that. This is awesome. See, I again, remember watching that and thinking... Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to be feeling. <laughs> Am I turning into a serial killer? That was kind of sexy. Yeah, and of course, there's no, you know, he's not touching, you know, blood there. He's touching her boob. So he is. Sure, that's that's just good like touching him. a normal boob. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, it was very confusing when I was a child. And to be actually, to be fair, it still is now. But I mean, you... I haven't watched this film with someone who hasn't seen it before for a while. I should try and do that again, because you do see things from a f- fresh perspective when watching them with someone who hasn't seen it before. But I've often found, when I've watched these films with people who haven't seen them before, not always, but a lot of the time, that they are quite horrified at bits that I thought were quite, yeah. like, hmm. So that's, <laughs> that's great, just to jump in, sorry. But the only some skin, then a shot of Kirsty naked with just skin yes. exposed. yeah. And it just, that says, back to me, when I first watched it, that I want her skin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Which doesn't happen, as we'll find out. There was also the... uh, this film, as we mentioned before, but Julie doesn't need someone else's skin. No. She can grow her own in this one. There was also the other connotation that um, someone said about um, condoms. Oh, yeah. The slang for condoms being skin. Claire Higgins apparently mentioned it. She said to Tony Randall, we can't say all we need now is a skin because that was slang for condoms mm. so change it to all now is skin but I've never heard that as a slang for condoms no well I don't think it was in this country yeah but Claire Higgins said it to him and in the commentary Tony Randall says we had to change it because apparently in, in England that's slang for condoms and then Pete Atkins is like uh I don't think it is <laughs> I don't think it is that was just Claire Higgins But that line we've missed, <laughs> but earlier on where Kyle says about her having no clothes, I can get clothes for you, I can do that, I'm a doctor. Mm. That's funny. Yes. And that's one of the the fun, you know, the funny, in inverted commas, lines in the film. They actually did, they put some comedy in it. Oh, yeah. Whereas there's, there's less jokes in the first one. Yeah. This one has funny lines. Yeah. And here she is now wearing... Uh, Man's clothes, which I think suit her. <laughs> Look, see, that's a nice moment for Kyle. Yeah, I, I like what he did there. That, I like that's him good. now because he's seen this stuff happening. He's <laughs> look at this. Oh, this is awesome. These two, these two are just like complete Bride freaks now. Ken's is giving it up. Chenard is, mm. I don't care what we do, let's kill let's... people. <laughs> now, all of these people that they kill... Look at that, though. No need. No need for this sexy topless now, girl. Now, actually, I'm not actually sure which version you're watching, listeners, because I know there's a a longer shot of that lady 
And yes. you see more than just her I've boobs. I've seen that. And oh, in I've this version, that. we just saw... We didn't see very much. So no, we literally you just saw her nipples just for a second. For some reason, one. the rest of the film is going to be out of sync. <laughs> but Crumbs. If you I saw more than a flash of is. nipple, then yeah, we just saw we a might flash be out of, of sync if now. If you saw any pubic hair, for example, which I do believe exists somewhere along the line. But I think I've seen that. Oh, I'm, I'm worried now. I'm I know there's a couple of different cuts of this film, and <laughs> you have. Oh no, this commentary's not going to work unless you're watching the, the UK well, we're not, edition. We're not particularly talking about what's happening on the screen right as it's. Well, let's happening. do it then. He's cutting. He's got some scissors. He's, cut, <laughs> <laughs> he's cutting her up. No. <laughs> Worry not, listeners, you can still listen to this. Okay, and, it's um, fine. Everything's we will fine. Still Don't just worry. be rambling along. But this is very Bride of Frankenstein, and, and Peter Atkins and Tony Randall both say that The Bride of Frankenstein is one of their favourite films of all time. Yeah. And, and she is for the is. first time in this film. Amazing. Oh, she's lovely, well, and she? she's all happy. <laughs> There's his house. I like how he's got this little, this little, like, bungalow housey thing. I like they make a big point of him locking the door when he leaves. Why? Why? Well, because a lesser filmmaker would have had him walking out. Whereas they make a point of him, no, stop, turn around, make sure it's secure. Yeah. And here they are. Oh. Man, these like beige coats. We need to declare war on them. They're very functional, but... And he's just going in the way he went before. Because yeah. he knows he can. Use the old screwdriver trick. <laughs> Holding hands there. There's definitely a connection. And she's obviously going, oh my God. What does that mean? Well, he's, got to, he's got to find out. He's like, hey, I'm a, I'm a man. Yeah. You stay here. This I'll is the thing, the you know. You've got to... First, even though... He meets a lady. But you've got to give him his due. I mean, apart from this stupid moment where he should have been like, get away from me. Although, he's a very, he's fair, a very, you know. Why would he think she's the same person that had no skin just now earlier on? Well, the same, well, the thing is, he's... Those flies sound great in stereo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they sound awesome. <laughs> We're listening it? to this with headphones while recording, <laughs> by the way. That does sound good. He's a very, um empathic empathetic character yeah. he's, he's he's someone who you know he's a helper isn't he yeah and this you know Julio is presenting herself as someone who needs help mm. which is what he did with Kirsty yeah of which course. is why he's a doctor yeah and she's playing along being scared you know, and she's worried. really pushing his buttons because a woman in trouble is his you know poison his kryptonite <laughs> he's just like I've got to help you I've got to help you <laughs> yeah <laughs> he goes in, and then the other thing—I mean, the other thing—that's interesting about this um, Julia being the evil character, the ultimate evil character—is that it really still isn't the norm for a woman to be so evil. No, in terms of serial killers, in terms of you yeah, know, in real life, yeah, um, people still are quite wrong-footed by women committing evil atrocious women. acts. Yeah. Which is, yeah. you know, intriguing. I love that diagram. It's brilliant, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Love all that. I want to see more of that. I want to see wonder, more of these books. You wonder how Chenard got all this information. Well, Where'd you get it from? Oh, but, I mean, he's been collecting it over the years, hasn't he? Yeah. 
Now this is interesting. All these people that have been killed mm. are apparently, um, which I didn't get until I watched the commentary, but I'm a bit slow. Um, they're apparently all from Chinard's basement asylum. Yeah. Did you um, get that well, straight I, away? I just thought. <laughs> I just thought. Oh god. <laughs> I just, I'm like, oh, that's dead people. <laughs> no, I'm not very good with uh, using my brain. That's brilliant. Look at there with that corpse in the background. Yeah. And the the, the trees <gasps> and the and leaves. And she's got a bit of uh, flesh exposed to the back of her. Mm. Look at him and he's all scared. And he doesn't know what's going on. And that's it. He's screwed. He's dead. Fingers in his head. He didn't. He, he didn't have much chance. To be fair, although we've dissed him in the past, he didn't have much chance to go. No, he didn't. Wait a minute. And now she's got a back, full back. Yeah, and this is one of those great in-camera tricks where normal side of face go all the way around. Oh, all drained. Yeah. So he just obviously had two makeups on. Yeah. At the same time. Haha. <laughs> and the sucking straw <laughs> noise. <laughs> And she is so it's interesting that she, uh, unlike Frank in the first film, she doesn't need someone else's skin to wear. But move, skipping on a bit further in the film, she has been sent back by Leviathan to get souls. So she might have been given this power to regenerate her own skin. Yes, which I didn't initially understand when I watched the film. Well, you wouldn't until she says, that's why he sent me back. Yeah. At the moment, you'd be thinking... Because I was picking holes in it a bit and going, oh, why is it different? Why is... Yeah. yeah. Um, but Which then... I think is fair enough when you first watch it. But I think it's also... It's a clever way of putting it in the story, but I think it is also to do with budgetary <clears throat> stuff. <laughs> yeah, I do maybe. still think that that was a concern. And there's this, all this fairy tale dialogue. They changed the rules of the fairy tale. Yeah. So come on. I used, when I first watched, it, I thought she said "so come up" because <laughs> she says that in a slightly strange way. So come on. So come up. And then and, all uh, of a sudden, he's back. You get he... this massive confrontation, but then it's completely null and void as soon as he turns up with Brad Pitt. <laughs> but this is something that um, uh, Julia hadn't anticipated that was going to happen. Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. This is his agenda. This is his thing. Yes, that's true. Can you explain that Brad Pitt reference for those who hadn't listened to our I'm other podcast? I'm terribly sorry. Um, I, <laughs> I did say in the other podcast, I feel that this um, lovely young lady playing Tiffany looks a little bit like uh, Brad Pitt in Interview with a Vampire. And in some shots, she really does. <laughs> she does. And I apologise to her and Brad Pitt and everyone else. Well, no, he's a he's a handsome man. He's well, she quite not, she's not going to want to look man like in that film. He so. looks feminine, you know. I'm, I'm not saying film, she looks like absolutely. a man. I'm not saying she looks like a man. No, I've not seen her in very much recently. Oh come on, yeah, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is great. This scene's amazing. But this is great as well. I don't know. It just teases at the edge of my mind of like a film. Where, you know, there's someone, you know, he's researching the box and he's making someone else open the box for him. I don't mm. know, there's there's something really brilliant in these scenes that was not quite fully realised in this film. But the great ideas no, are I there. Think, I think it's here. 
the, here at least. It, oh, no, no, you, this is great. This is great. I think I guess it kind of derails a little bit later on, slightly. But this is amazing because you you know something's going to happen. I just think this is yeah, this is awesome. You know, having her opening the box and you know that this is really bad. Mm. Just quickly looking up Imogen Borman on IMDb. And yeah. she was in a Coronation Street for a while, long-running British soap opera. Oh, right. Hasn't done any acting since 1993, apparently. Crumbs, maybe we should try and contact her and get an interview. Maybe we should. See what she's up maybe to. Maybe we should put her in a film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does very well in this film, though, actually. All, yeah, no, All joking good. aside, because she hasn't got any lines, really, per se. Um... But she does create a character, mm. which is not as easy as it seems, I think. You just no. think, well, I just sit there and do yeah. my thing. You know, she... Um... No, fe- fetuses in jars. <laughs> this is great, though. You've got to love that. You've got to love that. It just adds to the tension and the build-up and the atmosphere. Fetuses in jars. It's amazing. Laboratory stuff. Oh, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. That's it. <clears throat> this is what it's all about now. And here we go. Now, this is the scene that um, in our interview with Nicholas Vince, he said um, he almost set on fire. Oh, yeah. Do you remember? Because he was standing yeah, near as one the, of the chatterer near one of the big lights and yeah. covered in Vaseline and oil. And all of a sudden he was smoking. <laughs> and he was smoking. <laughs> and someone came up to him very calmly and went, I'm just going to pat you down here for a moment. Move <laughs> away from Move this, away please. from this light. <laughs> And speaking of fire, they do set they did set fire to one of the sets in this film later on. Oh. Oh Which yes, I'll yes. I'll tell you that, when yeah. we get there, listeners. This is good. Everything explodes go. for no reason. Everyone likes an explosion, apparently, but I don't. No? I I really but don't like things exploding in films. It's budget, man. It's budget. Put your money on the screen. I just Make don't like explode. it. I just don't like Get it. Get a squib or two. <laughs> blow them up. Explode a jar. Everyone's happy. I love that. The door just closes. That's good. And then these doors open. The walls open. Corridors to hell. And this is good. Including one behind them, which is interesting. Yeah, because that's them. But we, you know, we know That's that. their invitation to hell, exactly. isn't it? And then here we have the Cenobites. So there, you there you've got Nicholas Vince almost on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Coming into the room. There, there he is. is. Nicholas Vince's chatterer. You've got... There's Barbie Wilde coming along as the female Cenobite. Or oh, there's Simon Bamford. Simon Bamford. As, uh, as Butterball. That's Barbie Wilde there. There she is. Same makeup. She looks pretty much the same. Yeah, she's the same, yeah. Sharpening her tools. I love that. I loved um, Barbie Wilde's story about the origin of her character as well. Yeah. Which you should all check out. Sister Celise. Sister Celise, yeah. yes. Excellent story. Brilliant. And here they are, this massive entrance for Pinhead. They knew that he was well, now the most they popular knew. part of the first film. Now they knew, so they bigged yeah. it up. Yes. Triumphal music. No. It is not hands that call us, it is desire. Which is a brilliant line, brilliant scene, but it's been something that has been completely ignored in most of the Hellraiser comics 
and cat and you know other things in Hellraiser. It's it's been often stated they're like I must take the person who opened the box. Yeah, and not having that choice. Yes, I guess so. Which I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just Although, saying that in I this suppose, instance, mm, it was very interesting. You that could they argue took the... against that though, because this was very specifically this guy over here wanted her to open the box. Whereas in some of the comics, it's a case of someone innocent opens the box by accident. Yeah, and I no guess, one, no one I else guess. is making them open it. For it. Like in the first film, when Kirsty opens the box in the first film, yeah, no one else is making her do that, so they're going to take her. Mm. But then she strikes a bargain with them. Which they then go back on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's another story. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we've seen that already. There we are, the box. And here we have just. This is. It's interesting that the doors, doorways to hell, stay open. Why? Why? Well, I mean, the rules don't seem to apply in this film. I guess because they haven't taken their victim. Hmm. If I'm being charitable and trying to find a reason. But they've taken Chenard. Or the no Chenard. No, but the, the Cenobites. This is the thing that I always think is really funny about this film. The Cenobites are actually really out of the loop as to what's going on. <laughs> Leviathan yeah, and Julia have a plan. And the yeah. Cenobites are not a part of it. So they're trying to do their normal thing. And she knows something's gone. Kirsten knows something's gone wrong because there's light coming through the slats of the, <laughs> yeah. of the wall. And she just runs straight to hell. Look at her. She doesn't care. She's she's brave. She's looking off. She's looking for her dad, though. Yeah, she's after her father. I might well be looking after, you know, looking for my dad, but I I wouldn't necessarily just run straight into hell. No, fair enough. And where's Tiffany gone? She just wandered in there on her own. Yeah, there Tiffany's. She, I mean, why I, is she running around hell? <laughs> well, she's just like I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. What's in here? This looks good. I mean, this was initially what I, I kind of had a bit of a problem with was just the... I mean, I love this. The carnival stuff. The carnival stuff I really like. I, I, I found hell a bit empty, which is what was my problem with it well, originally. I think that was a budgetary problem, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, we've said it before, but they, they lost 20% of their budget because of a stock market crash just mm. before they filmed it. It's terrible, isn't it? But I There's think... a lot more in it. This is cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, well, I thought, you I mean, don't know what's going on when I was here. a kid. I thought this was a bit weird. I love this guy juggling his eyes. Oh, no, yeah, I love this. I thought all oh, this was great. He's juggling his own eyeballs. And help my daughter. What's going on there? Yeah, a brilliant... Which... Yeah, at yeah. this moment in the film, you're like, okay, something really horrible has happened to her, which you don't find out till a lot later. So her mouth shut. And the baby... I mean, that baby's a bit rubbery. Yeah, that's it. A little bit rubbery. It's a it's a horrible image, but it's a bit that's that clown's scary though. <laughs> it is. But I used to find um, circuses and fairgrounds a bit scary when yeah, I was that's a fair kid. Enough, really, isn't it? And then she finds her way outside, and she sees something which we don't mm. see yet. <laughs> Apparently, it's spelling out Morse code for God. Yes, and that was Christopher Young's yes. suggestion. That's very cool, isn't it? There's Kirsty running through. So we have a scene coming up now, which unfortunately you might or might not have if you are watching this along with us. Because apparently it's a scene that's been taken out of some versions of the film and put back into some other versions. But it's this scene here. <laughs> if you're not seeing it, 
Don't worry. This, this one here, can you see? No, all of a sudden, in our the version we just watched, she was looking around hell, she didn't know what was going on, and all of a sudden she was inside her old house. Mm. And some other versions, she sees a door, the front door, goes up to the door, goes into the house. Mm. We didn't get that on this version. We no. never had that in the UK, I don't think. No. So we we've just got her, her looking at pictures now, looking yeah. at pictures of herself. Now she's looking at pictures of herself, her mum. Her mum, blood's coming out of the pictures. It's oh. very reminiscent of that scene in uh, American Werewolf in London, where he goes back what, to the... What, the dream, the, the final dream. dream. Yeah, yeah, where he's just back in the... But then her mum, the picture of her mum turned into a picture of Julia. That's horrible. Look at a headshot of Julia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and all the drawers everywhere. are all full of bugs. Oh, it's awful. It's just bizarre. The drawer falls over, there's blood everywhere. And now she's back in hell again. She had a moment of happiness. Maybe that's what hell is. That is what hell is. <clears throat> and here she is back in hell with the Cenobites arrived. So if you didn't have that that scene about her in her house, you've gone straight to this one. Got the chatterer. And this is oh. weird. The whole the camera's going round. You know, and then being upside down. Yeah, quite the disorienting. This bit, Pinhead's going round on his. Oh, look at that! And then it turns into it's a diamond box shape, into a big diamond. What are you going to do with that? I love it. How he just goes, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do with that? <laughs> and she's spinning as well now. Yeah. Basically, she's trying to send them back to hell, and they're like, "What are you doing? We're here. We're here. We're in <laughs> this hell. is hell, you idiot." But this is again a great scene of they they aren't doing anything wrong. The Cenobites, no, they they're, they're taking a piss out of her. Though, they're taking the piss out of her, but <laughs> they are going. You want this? You want to taste yeah. our pleasures and our pain? That's great. The hook yeah. in the wall and blood flesh from the wall. It's little things like that that mm. really make these films stand out. Look at that makeup. It's so good. And that is even more frightening. I that? think for for the for the studio people who may be listening to this podcast, the fact <laughs> that they just went, no, explore, go on your way. Yeah. That's more frightening to me than them yeah. attacking her, because now you don't know what's going to go on. No. And there was the baby crying again. Chenard hearing the baby crying, which which we associated with Kirsty in the first film. Hmm. That's interesting. And this is great. He sees this kind of weird orgy going on. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like they're all molding into each other. It's like that film Society. I don't know if you've Oh, seen that's it. brilliant. It's an amazing film. I've got that. <laughs> but I remember it just reminded <laughs> me Brian of that Yosner when film, I saw it. Society, which you haven't seen, please do check oh, out check because it the out. last ten, fifteen minutes of that film will be. <laughs> it's blow nothing to do with Hellraiser, but it's a it's a no. mind it's a mind bomb. And if, and stick with it. <laughs> Because the, the first bit of it is a bit dull. But yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's worth it's it. Good. Do watch the film Society. Anyway. Okay. So, yeah. He's, um... But yeah, they turn into Julia. And then she says, we have such sights to show. I know. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then she goes all cold. Oh. So now we know that she's Now we know she's, she's, she's a Cenobite, basically. 
And there is catches running along. This is where she bumps into the wall and it wobbles behind her. There's a bit where that happens. Is it, is it, is it really? I think it might be here. I'm not sure. I've, hang on. Watch the wall behind her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, bless. And then here's Tiffany. How the fuck did they find each other in all that? Well, she was making a lot of noise running around. She had very noisy shoes. Yeah, but did you see the size of it? <laughs> and now he looks lost, the doctor. In the bits with um, Julia and Chenard, it looks to me like the inside of a laser quest. I know, it's all very neon. It's all kind it? of like ultraviolet painted and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> but this is where I'm a bit like, oh no, there's too much kind of running this around. This is where it gets a bit confusing. Too many corridors Apparently this, and stuff. Yeah? 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 Yeah. Apparently it's a Beatles reference. <laughs> That's what they say. What? She loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Apparently they put a few subtle Beatles references into well, the film. That's just odd. <laughs> <laughs> but Pete Atkins and Doug Bradley and Clive Barker are from Liverpool. Oh, okay. okay. I fine. think, I think... Doug Bradley and Clive Barker went to the same school as John mm. Lennon. Mm. Sorry, they went to the same school. I don't know if they went. I think it was the same school as John Lennon. Crumbs. Well, here we are. Look at this amazing map painting. Yeah. This labyrinth. The which is it's amazingly presiding over it. Expanded in the comics. No. No. This is this my is God. God. This is, uh, this is, I still think this is weird. I do yeah, love it. like this. But the fact that the god is a massive diamond in the sky. I kind of, <laughs> I understand what you're saying, but in a weird way, with the perversion of Hellraiser. Oh, these are great. When he was a kid doing these are messed great. up things. The black light. He was doing something Seems horrible. To show you the bad things you've done in your life. But I mean, what I was saying about the God thing, I, I kind of like the idea that God is not a creature. It's an, a completely unfeeling thing. Um, yeah, I get that. Well, I know I don't actually. Because, well, I mean, going back to the comics for a moment, which I know isn't necessarily canon, in those, Leviathan gets bored or has does have yeah some that's fine but i just think as an image i think if you know it's interesting that some that people it's like my hp lovecraft obsession you know <laughs> people will worship something that's going to kill them or people people yeah. will worship something that is basically just a shape <laughs> yeah that's true and let's is, move on because this now is brilliant he's getting turned into a cenobite yeah and this is awesome you've got the wire Look at over this. his face and now you know. The cheese wire, they're taking his blood out, they're putting the blue yep, juice nice in. Blue. Oh, and he's being... It's going into his skin. Oh my goodness. This was horrific when I first watched it. Well, it still is. It is, <laughs> yeah. It is horrible. It's all going into his throat. And it's weird because she doesn't say you're being turned into a Cenobite. She just says, you wanted this? You've got it. They wanted souls. Fine. Put you in a big cupboard. But I don't think it's she... It's not until later, when he turns up again, for me anyway, when I first watched it, I thought, you know, for, that could have been 
him being killed. Yeah, but I thought that's what she thought. That's what she thought? Yeah. Okay. I don't think she was aware that he was going to be turned into a Cenobite at that point. Interesting. Because when they come together again later, I know it's a different situation, but... Because I think it's... We'll get to that. Point. We'll get to that because we'll I'm, get not, that. I'm not sure where you were going with that. No, 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 no. Because no, no. <laughs> I think it's Kirsty, isn't it? When they it's Kirsty in, in her skin. Yeah. I don't think she sees him again. But he doesn't react to her. But here we are, back of... at her, <laughs> back at the front door of the house. I think it was the front door of 55 Ludovico Street. Or yeah. Where you know Frank and sorry, not Frank, Larry and Julia's house from the first film. So this is the. So it's like, this is where my dad is. I'm going to go in, find my dad. And this is the. Um, the Frank room, isn't it? The sexy ladies. Sexy lady around. Frank room. Yeah. And this is also the set that they set on fire. Yes. <laughs> the accident. They set the whole set on fire. Yeah. Not surprising, is it? Look at all those candles. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think of this scene? What do you mean? I th- I mean, do you like it? Do you think it works? Do you think it fits? Um, yeah, I like it. The reason it. I'm asking is because in the commentary, Tony Randall says he hates this scene. Yeah. And if if up to him, he'd go back and completely redo it because he thinks it really slows down the pacing. But I think there's other problems in the film that are not to do with this scene. That not to do with the pacing of the scene. Okay. I like this scene because it is something happening in hell. Yeah. Whereas before it's just been running through corridors. Whereas this is coming into a room and there's something yeah. strange. And it's the happening. whole you you get the whole idea of each person has their own personal yeah. room. That's why that I enjoy it. Specific to them. I mean, I can't deny that. Yes, it suddenly goes goes to a slow point here, but. Before, it was just barreling through corridors, mm. which is good because it's pacey, but it's not interesting. Yeah. No, I agree. I do agree. I think, actually, it should have been more like going into different rooms. If I'd, if I'd have had my way, it would have been each... You know, they were both walking around hell, and there were lots of different rooms that had all well, these different things I'm in I'm sure them. that's probably in the original script, but they couldn't... Yeah. They didn't have the money to film Absolutely. It. You know, I'm not saying that they didn't think of it. Obviously, they mm-hmm. did, but... So this is where you would have had... You were supposed to have Larry as well. And I believe Larry and Frank shared the same skin. Mm. Had the same body... If you want to check out the original script, I think you can find it on uh, Cenobite.com. They've got the original Hellbound script with Larry in it. And it's fascinating. And Larry's the one who kills Frank to really empower himself. But this is a great... I think this is a good idea. That that he is in this room... You know, his whole thing was women and sex and power and stuff. Mm. And he's stuck in a room... With people promising everything and never delivering, as he hates, you know. So he plans to get his niece there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you're dead, you're fucking dead. <laughs> Which is, I mean, I actually, thinking about it properly, I prefer this version. Because I don't think Larry... Would have gone to this hell. No. Because he didn't do anything wrong. No. He should be wherever everybody else is who dies. Yeah. Because I don't... Well, that's the thing. Who knows... if Is this hell supposed to be the 
you know, Judeo-Christian hell of all bad people go to this place, but also you can get there by opening the box. Yeah, well, I don't... Or is this a different hell yeah. that's ruled over by Leviathan that you get to by opening the box? I Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before, but I don't believe that this hell is to do anything to do with the normal Christian and if the other Christian hell. hell does exist, that is, you know, whatever, the devil yeah. ruling it yeah. rather than... Leviathan. This is a separate. I think this is a beings separate from thing. another dimension. Yeah. Deal. I think this is definitely separate. Yeah. This is like you have to open the box. You have to. You know. I would rather think that because if otherwise it completely gets rid of the whole concept of opening the box because you could just be a bad person and die and go there. Yeah, it's a good point because they say that suicide takes you to hell. Yeah, so you could so be a bad like, person, kill yourself, and then go to hell. It doesn't matter, you know. People, people although if you open the box, kind of... that that's the link to pleasure and pain. But everybody gets the same thing, it seems to me, when no, they I get don't. there. Not everyone, because uh, <coughs> Elliot Spencer didn't, and Doctor Chenard doesn't. No, I mean you could could be turned into a Cenobite. Exactly. Basically, so everybody why not go for that. But everybody basically ends up with what they think is pleasure and pain, but they don't really know what it is. Okay. Oh, I don't know. I, I think that well, the it's box a fascinating is a different. Yeah, it's a different. This deal. is great though. Him ripping his face off, and the fact that he's saying "not my face," <laughs> the fact that he's really vain still. Yeah. Not my face. He probably shouldn't be tearing it off if he's that worried about it. And then all of a sudden, he's Oliver Smith again. And here's yeah. Julia. And the funny thing is, Frank here still thinks he has the upper hand. I know. This is great. <laughs> this is a really good scene. You're like, oh, here we go. Everything's fine now. Yeah. Julia, come to me. It's brilliant. I knew you'd come. And he, this is great because he, he keeps her promises. He, but he killed her. Yeah, but he thinks <laughs> he's so in charge. He's a, he thinks he's got her. Prick. She's just a weak woman. <laughs> I do. Back to the first film again. Oh, I love the look on her face because it's just like you have no idea. She knows, yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm the queen of hell. <laughs> and when he says that, we'll have a real family reunion, it's basically like him going... We're all going to have sex. Yeah. Yeah. I've got no skin, but ignore that. Yeah. I can still get a she's, hard on. She's going to... I'm going to have sex with you. They might do Kirsty as well. Yeah. And who's this blonde girl? Let's have a bit of her as well. Yeah. And Brad too. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I love his movies. I'll have some of him as well. Oh, this is, this is and look, great. he's like looking at her. He's, he's like, yep, brilliant. she's mine. He's Thank just you. like, I am... You know, he's completely conceited and arrogant unfortunately she rips his fucking heart out well done oh, well done that is that is the personal babe brilliant that is the one good thing she does in this film apparently she burnt her back in one of the takes of this no yeah not like really badly to scar her for life or anything but she did burn her back quite badly in one of the takes of one of those flame scenes now they're off they've dropped the puzzle box that's a really big problem, isn't it? Oh, hello. Alright, this is one of my blown out, really unfortunate scenes of the film I'm not enjoying. Well, it's all gone a bit... It's just a bit, there's a bit too much going on, as we've said before. And she's picked up the box now, 
And then he turns up again. There's oh. kind of stuff around this point. It all just starts to remind me of like Kroll. Have you seen that? I just very, haven't ever seen Kroll. It's just, it's just very fantastical and it's not about the kind of real horror that I love about Hellraiser, which was the stuff right, okay. before. I mean, he's great. He yeah. looks good. Yeah, he does look good. And, you know, I still enjoy it, but I'm... And the uh, the cheese wire effect is good. Yeah, it's brilliant. I like that very much. And that he and plays it so blood. brilliantly as well. Yeah. I hesitated. I know. Oh, it's, that's it was so a good, good. This was a good idea. And that was a great... That's that a this great line. <laughs> penis. Which is reminiscent of the drill from the very beginning of the film, which yeah, is great. absolutely. Which is, was obviously his his weapon. He yeah. wielded then. And then it just stirs his brains up completely. <laughs> now, Pete Atkins was saying in the commentary that uh, originally in the script, this massive cock thing attached to his head was connected directly to Leviathan, mm. the diamond shape. Right. But they didn't have the money or the budget to actually make that happen. So now it's just a big tentacle but that I would disappears have, into I mean, nowhere. I would assume it was connected yeah, to Leviathan. Yeah, you would assume, yeah. I mean, I don't think you need to see it actually connected no. to the wire then. And here we have Julia possibly being pulled down into this, whatever this is happening now. This force. <laughs> As you said in our original podcast, getting blown out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good job she's got the box. Yeah, she's got the box. She said she didn't like this scene <laughs> because she couldn't mm. keep her eyes open and she was getting wind blown no, in her she face. she was trying to keep her eyes open and look evil but having a massive jet engine blowing in her face. And her skin's and her come skin off. pulls off. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> that's a but terrible... It, it's a, but it's very quick. It is a rubbish dummy that flips down the corridor but it is very quick. I know, but my eyes can still perceive it's rubbish even in that quickness. I know. <laughs> and they've run back into the uh, hospital now. But, actually, to give them their due, when her skin comes off from the back very neatly, that looks good. Yeah. Like it, it looks realistic. Like yeah, yeah. It looks like it did just kind of slip off in one move. Absolutely, which is important for later on, of course. Exactly, because we, <laughs> you know, we were kind of like mocking it, going, oh, her skin came off at the back. But I was like, no, it did look like it did. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It made sense. Now she looked at those flowers. You like the flowers? Mm. Remember that? I'll remember that <laughs> for later. <laughs> Listeners, remember that. She's apologising to her dad, wherever he may be. When you first watched it, were you like, they're back now? They're okay? Did you think that? Not really. <laughs> you didn't think that? No. Because <laughs> that's an anti-climax. I turned it off at this point. I was just like, <laughs> they did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's trying to speak. She can't speak, though. There's nothing that's going to make her be able to talk. What a shame. Or, well... What do you mean? Um, well... It's finished, isn't it? They're just having a nice little cuddle. <laughs> oh. Now, bless them. let's go and find Steve. <laughs> and they're off. They're very dirty. No one seems to be paying any attention to them. Everyone's ignoring them. 
<laughs> well, it's a bit unusual, oh, isn't on. it? I'm oh no! Oh no! What's happening in this room? Hang on, everyone's. Oh no! That's what? a great image. I think the shit. I'm not sure about quite about the way that they've done it, but having a whole ward of mental patients with boxes attached to their heads by chains. Yeah. Brilliant. Ah, this is cool. Shit, there we go. She said something. Shit. (laughs) That is quite funny. The doctor is you. Oh, and then they've got these... uh... Oh, look at this. These stop motion... um... (laughs) Now, some people argue... There's two schools of thought here. Some people don't like his one-liners. And other people argue that they aren't one-liners. They're very clever dialogue. Well, what? <laughs> What's the thinking? I mean, he's, I, I think it's clearly he's got some comedy one-liners here. I don't think they were necessarily written in a comedy way. I don't I know. I think they were written in the, um, in the way of an arrogant man speaking. As this is good. On. Oh, there we go, Chatterer with Eyes. Chatterer 2, as he's known. Yeah. Or the pig alien, as we called him (laughs) in the episode 2. But I I don't like the look as much. I really don't. No, I don't think it's as scary. This is interesting. But this is already a thousand times more interesting than the whole Chenard stuff. Yeah, Chenard, you know, killing loads of people, and then you go into this room, and suddenly, it's interesting again. Mm. Suddenly, it's about a deal with the devil again. Yeah, there he is, and he's going to show him this picture. I like this. Yeah, someone else who escaped us. <laughs> So this is interesting. We've got coming up now. We've got the the fight between the Cenobites and Chenard, which a lot of fans at the time were really cross about because they thought that they would give up, they would wouldn't give up as easily, or they would be less easy to defeat. And originally in the script, before this whole budget problem they had, there was a massive fight here apparently between, especially Pinhead and Chenard. Mm. But now there isn't really, as we'll see in a moment. But Peter Atkins will argue the fact that he has been weakened by the fact that he's just remembered he was human. And the fact that he has been weakened by that makes him easier to defeat. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, if we're going to be honest about it, he's been weakened in the first place by a lack of budget. (laughs) (laughs) And then to make it make sense, he's been weakened by this revelation. That's fine. Look, there's a flower. Remember that flower she liked? She's like, come here. Come here. I've got a flower for you. (laughs) Tiffany. But it does make sense, the whole, you know, weakening thing. Mm. That, it does make sense. Yes, it does. It's not quite clear how Jannard can make him a human again. Well, it's disappointing. No, because they go back to being a human after they get killed. Exactly. He doesn't, though, does he? Pinhead. Anyway, here we have the 
Chains going into Nard. Here but we it's go. just it's just a disappointing. And the fact that he says, "Oh, good, a fight." Yeah, you think, "Oh, brilliant." Here we go. It's disappointing. It's just it's a disappointing end. Yeah. No, I know the, these effects are the stop motion stuff is a little dated nowadays. But I do love the fact that he does have these. Oh, I think it's tentacles. Great. These worms coming out of his snakes out of his. No, but she's just she's just dead. That's, That's it. it. Killed in her vagina neck hole. Butterballs. They're gone. all just kind of dead. Chatterer. Chatterer. Dead. And as he oh. pulled back against that An thing, amazing a, a, a moment. T- hook swung round in his face and got in his mouth. Yes. And he's a little Which boy. Is the, uh, the little boy thing. A little boy. Which is uh, the controversial little boy. Chinard turning Pinhead back into Elliot Spencer. Hmm. I've never quite understood. It's just purely it's purely a movie conceit, isn't it? I mean, it's purely so you can identify him with the the photo. Well, with the person. I guess so. But also, he says to her, "He goes, go, run away. You've got a chance here." Yeah. And then here we go. There's going to be a fight. There's going to be a big fight now. Excellent. A big fight. Oh, no. <laughs> no, he's just had his throat slit. Which admittedly is a wonderful effect. That's gorgeous. I think um, it's just disappointing because in a weird way, Doug Bradley does that bit so well. Mm. He actually does a really good, you know, version of someone getting their throat cut. Yeah, he does. And he really does. It's actually quite a pitiful moment because yeah. you're just like, oh God, that poor guy. And it's not like Pinhead dying. It's no. like a real man dying, which yeah. is what he was supposed to do. But I don't think that's what the story called for at that point. Oh shit, everyone's been killed. <laughs> yeah. And Tiffy knows she has to go back and find the box solve the puzzle and now hell just opens for her again yeah well the rules are completely not working in this film <laughs> let's 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 get that out of the way she's off she's going for it why does that open then for her i can only say because <laughs> leviathan wants it to but Leviathan knows she can open puzzles and solve puzzles. He, Leviathan knows she'll solve the box. But he also thinks that Chenard is going to get her. So Leviathan's playing a game? Yeah. All right. He's betting on Chenard okay. taking him out. Okay, fair enough. That makes sense. We'll go with that. Well, I'm saying that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Well, we'll carry on for now. Listeners, if anyone else has any theories, please, please write in. Let us know. Here they are. I, I, mean, I mean, I think with any god, I think I always thought that they must get colossally bored. And they want a bit of excitement. Yeah. You know, they want to let things go wrong to see what happens. Yeah, Maybe.
So at this point, Leviathan's like, brilliant. Let these two Let's in. have some fun. They could do something really bad, but I bet Chenard's going to win. And then light touches her. Here we finally get this. We finally see what happened. What's happening? It was him. And he knows that he needs someone who can solve puzzles. Yeah. So he... So he... Well, who knows what he's doing? I mean, you know, well, I guess he murders her. That's kind of implied with the leather Nazi glove. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see how it's a Nazi glove, but it's a leather glove, (laughs) for sure. I just imagine, when I see a leather glove, I imagine a Nazi wearing it. (laughs) I have just watched Puppet Master 3 Wintertime must be awful for you. (laughs) It is. It's a constant nightmare. (laughs) So, she seems to realise now what she needs to do. Hmm... And this, this is, is it. This is the big well. puzzle. Yeah. The puzzle of her life. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. This is it. This is what she's been put on this earth to do. And this is a very odd plot device they've got going here. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, no question about that. <laughs> But at least everything's fine now, and she can just do this. Oh, oh no! Who's no, this? wait a minute. Who's this? This is what Leviathan's banking on. This is it. Leviathan's Chenard. like you. Oh, she dropped the bloody box now. Yeah. But maybe this is what Leviathan wants. He doesn't want someone so serious as Pinhead. He wants a few more maybe. one-liners. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Some cheeky one-liners. That's cool when she treads on the snake and it bleeds everywhere. Black blood. <laughs> yeah. Shame. And it's fun that he's not attached to the floor. I do like I do like it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Although there's, there is that close-up in a moment where it does... It's blatantly a massive penis. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to speak to uh, Ken Cranham about this. Mm. Because he's a great actor and doing this kind of really fantastical stuff. Yeah. See what he thought about it. But look at him, he's really going for it. Like he yeah. he's not doing it by halves. He's going for it. No. And that spinny <sighs> spiky knife thing. Yeah. Look at that. It's That's great. That would do you a lot of Damage. It's great how all these little tentacles can make anything, you know, anything yeah. he wants. And, and then it's almost like he's pushing her into a yeah cabinet he's gonna, to make her to make her into a set about. Yeah, because they need more now. But then who's this? But he's clearly easily deceived. But that's Julia, surely. No, she's got blood around her head. <laughs> I tell you what, though, there's an interesting parallel here. This is two men in Julia's life who've been very dismissive of her. Yeah. Frank, obviously, earlier. Him now, I knew you'd come back. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And she's now solving the puzzle. 
Leviathan's spinning in the corner going, Oh, no, no. Ow, what's going on? Stop kissing her. <laughs> Stop. She's solving my puzzle. I'm turning into a cube. <laughs> and he's not happy. He's like, wait a minute. Your case is closed. Oh. I'm afraid it's terminal. It's all doctor based off. This I just can't I just can't forgive it. I just can't But Leviathan's being turned into a cube. He's got oh. no power. He's losing his power. I know you I know, I know, I know, but and he's stuck to the ground. Leviathan needs his tentacle back, so he's pulling him back. If this This, if this guy look this is a great that's effect. That's a massive cock shot there. <laughs> look at that. That's Benny from This is a great effect. Tumblr Look account. at that, that's brilliant. <laughs> but this is great. This whole face being pulled off at the mouth but in terms of people writing the script i'm i'm sorry but that's just there's just a very bad end for that character and why does she just fall off all of a sudden <laughs> well she's shocked okay. she was like, that was a rubbish end for the character <laughs> wasn't it well i don't know i'd like to know because I know everybody involved in this film was very intelligent and good. Yeah. I'd like to know what happened to make that be the version that they had to put in the film. Mm. Because I don't believe that that was the version that was originally written. I want to know if anyone didn't know this was Kirsty. <laughs> <laughs> and now her but again, this is off. stuff... You wouldn't find in any other film other than Hellraiser. No. Someone ripping someone's skin off their arm. (laughs) (laughs) Someone wearing someone else's skin. Yeah. Well, Science of the Lambs, maybe. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Jesus. But it wasn't as as believable as that, though. Big smile on her face. He's like yeah. wearing her evil stepmother killed her dad queen from hell skin. But she's got a big smile on her face. She's she's had a big journey of these last two films. She has. <coughs> so on. have we. Let's go home, please. Oh shit, Tiffany! More of these animated balls. <laughs> oh yeah, with the skulls on the end of them. Animated balls. No good. Now, actually, here's another moment. Those of you watching the uh, Region 1 North American release might also have another shot, which I've read about, I've never seen. Apparently there's a shot of the uh, the engineer from the first film chasing them down a corridor. Yeah, you have spoken Apparently. to me about this shot. So I've heard. So I've never you... seen it. I've never seen it. I mean, this might be a complete falsehood we've think... heard about. Yeah. But if you are seeing that shot, then... Not only have we not seen it, but again, we'll be slightly out of sync. <laughs> Yay! I think we're all in sync here. I think everything's fine. Everyone is in sync. We're running down one. a corridor. We've been some weird skull faces. Smash, 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 smash. smash bang, More bang, smashing. Squib, squib, squib. No, 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 no. I don't like it. And that's just bizarre. Leviathan that's great. turned into a puzzle box. That's great, though. Because that is the thing that he uses to get people in and then he's been nullified. Mm. He's been turned into his own creation. Yeah. I like that. Okay. I think that's good. Good. Okay, you like that then. That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) And now they're back. 
in the hospital. Yeah. And fade to later. This is a bit unusual if you think about it. There's a wreath by every bed. They were like, everyone got killed, so we put wreaths on their beds and stuff. Maybe Kirsty and Tiffany did it. Did they? I don't know. There they are. They but they look she's, hopeful, though. Kirstie's they're they're doing good a, here. She's dressed like a mum, isn't she, really? She's going to look after Tiffany, but mum they both daughter. look hopeful. They both look they're like... They're hopeful. They're going to go on to a better a, life. They, well, that's, that, that is an important moment in a film. Absolutely. Because they could look a little bit downtrodden. Yeah, but they've done it. No, we're going to pick ourselves up. They've nailed and it. And now everything's fine. We're going to make a lamp shop. Happy We're going to sell lamps. <laughs> <laughs> well, hang on. Where have we gone now? Hey, hey, hey. What, is, what this? is this? Is this like an extra feature? No, there's a bearded man. Oh, the guys are... They're taking away the props for the film. Chenard's <laughs> <laughs> house. And who's this character? Hello. It's... Oliver Parker from the first film. The Delivery Man 2 from the first film. He loves delivering stuff, doesn't he? He's the same character in this one. He went on to direct the film Othello with Lawrence Fishburne. and uh, He's done well for himself. An ideal husband, I think he did, didn't he, as well? Yeah. Good for him. So he was also... That is so orchestrated. Take a look at this. That's so bad because he's just like puts his arms so Over far the, out in front of himself. Yeah. <clears throat> so unnatural. Oliver Parker was incidentally the uh, he took over from Pete Atkins in the Dog Company when oh. it moved to London. And now this we have is this a bit of a, a bit of an unfortunate optical effect here. Yeah. Not only that, but uh, there's Pinhead there, played by Jeff Portas. Ah. Oh. Image animation. There's some unfortunate ones on here, aren't There's there? There's this. That looks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless them. They, That's yeah. rubbish. This is like something I would expect to see on Blackpool. You know, Blackpool Horror Ride. Yeah, that's not good. But um, but this is good. This, this is great. And the light in the eyes. He's great. And then it ends. Hurrah! So those who didn't listen to episode two of the Horizon podcast, the original ending was actually Julia coming out of the mattress. Mm. And um, dressed in black, dressed beautifully, and black light coming out of her mouth Mm. (laughs) and enveloping the screen. Yeah. So they wanted her to carry on and be the Freddy Krueger of the Hellraiser franchise. I think... um, I think she made the right decision in a way. Yeah. Because I think that that would limit the Hellraiser franchise. However, having seen what happened to the Hellraiser franchise, <laughs> I'm depressed that she didn't. Because I yeah. think that she would have kept it, her character would have kept it a bit more about pain, pleasure, sex, and stuff like that. Whereas I think it just span off in so many different directions. It was. Well, yeah. I don't know. It's a shame. But I like the fact that some of the later sequels go down different roads. Yeah, I know. I like that too. But um, I just think there was something really interesting about the original Hellraiser, obviously, Mm. that I just wish was present in all the sequels. And unfortunately, that kind of magic didn't didn't go into all yours. Listen, you listeners listening to this. Hey. If you enjoyed this 
podcast as well as the other commentary we did then let us know and we'll do some more commentaries of the other films yeah if you want we'll go through all of them we can we can do a commentary for all the films if you want and that might be the only time you'll sit and watch hell world or revelations (laughs) ever again (laughs) but if that's what you want let us know and we'll do it well i've had a good second unit director christopher fig oh wow i've never seen that before there you go in the credits that's good i've had a nice time I've had a lovely time. I've finished my bottle of wine. Well done. <laughs> I well might done. be getting a little slurry. Well done, man. That's all good. So thank you all for listening very much. Yeah. Thanks for downloading this in the first place. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. And we shall return very shortly with our next podcast, which will be episode 30. Crumbs. <laughs> I know. Clips from Hellraiser, courtesy of New World Pictures. New World Pictures thanking themselves for Yay. The, <laughs> the first films. So, listen, you, listening to this, thank you all so much, and we will see you very soon. Thank you. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.